When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, one of the interesting things about creating a botanical method aquarium is that it's really easy to get into the weeds about all the ecology and the environmental aspects of the tank, almost at the exclusion of everything else. And I admit we tend to emphasize the function of the ecosystem that we're developing over almost all else. And sometimes I admit that can be a bit short-sighted and not maybe helpful to everybody. Sometimes it's important for me as a self-proclaimed, and also people call me this, a thought leader in this space to delve into the more practical everyday or even mundane aspects of their management. Let's talk about a few of these things today uh, about botanical method aquariums in no particular order. Let's just think about some things that you can do um, that, you know, help your system function more smoothly. Let's start with water clarity. Now, for all the hobbyists who have simply come to expect that the water in their tanks will typically never be crystal clear, we still receive a fair number of questions asking if it's you know normal to for the water to have a slight hazy look to it in addition to you know the color of course the water's almost never perfectly crystal clear in our botanical method aquariums the clarity of the water in our aquariums is directly related to the physical dissolution of stuff in the water and it's influenced and mitigated by a wide range of factors Turbidity, which is defined as the quality of being cloudy, opaque, or thick with suspended matter, is completely normal and totally common in a botanical method aquarium. Now, I won't disagree that crystal clear water is nice. I like it too. I really do. However, I'd make the case that crystal clear water is A, not always solely indicative of the healthy or optimum aquarium, and B, not always what the fishes will encounter in nature. Habitats like flooded forests are almost never crystal clear. You've seen tons of pictures and videos on our site and elsewhere over the years, and it's obvious that the large quantity of soils and sediments and decomposing vegetation that's present on the forest floor during the dry periods will often create, you know, turbid conditions that will linger throughout the periods of inundation as well. Now, Botanical materials will impact the clarity of the water as they begin to decompose and impart their, you know, com- the, the compounds that are present in their tissues, lignans, tannins, and other compounds um, into the water. And this happens in our aquariums as well. Also, many of us use alternative substrate materials now, consisting of bits of botanicals and leaves and sediments and clays. And these will also have a, you know, definite impact on the clarity of the water. We talked about that before when we released our you know, our nature-based sedimented substrate products. It's something that's important for everybody to know about, that some of these cause a little bit of turbidity. There's always going to be small amounts of this stuff in suspension. Remember, just because the water in a botanical-influenced aquarium is brownish and even slightly hazy, it doesn't mean that it's of low quality or dirty, as we're inclined to say. 
It simply means that tannins, humic fulvic acids, and other compounds from the botanical materials are leaching into the water, creating that characteristic color and turbidity that some of us fish geeks find rather attractive. If you're still concerned, monitor the water quality. Perform a nitrate or a phosphate test. Look at the health of your animals. Are they somehow sick or in danger? These factors will tell the true story. You always need to ask yourself, what's actually happening in there, rather than jumping to some conclusion based on the you know, physical appearance of the water. In almost every case, in my experience, chemically, the water in botanical method aquariums has minimally detectable concentrations of nitrate and phosphate, biologically clean by aquarium standards. Now, sure, by municipal drinking water standards, color and clarity and all that stuff are really important. They can indicate all kinds of potential issues, but we're not talking about drinking water here, right? So why do we use those types of terms to describe our aquariums or at least to ascribe health to our aquariums? I believe that a whole lot of what we perceive to be as normal in the aquarium hobby is based upon artificial standards that we've imposed on ourselves over a century, you know, in over a century of modern aquarium keeping. I think everybody expects water to be as clear and colorless as the air, and any deviation from this norm is cause for concern among many hobbyists, and I don't think it needs to be, in my humble opinion. Another question we get a lot around here is, how do you maintain botanical method aquariums? That's a broad question, but to your comfort, you'll find that botanical method aquariums are as stable as any other if you follow regular maintenance and good old common sense. How's that for a broad answer? So what are we talking about here in regards to regular maintenance? Well, for one thing, water exchanges. Yes, the dreaded freaking water exchanges, because the topic's so well discussed all over the aquarium world, I'll keep it relatively brief. So what's a good water exchange regimen? <clears throat> I'd love to see you employ 10% per week. That's what I've done for decades, and it's served me and my animals very well. Regardless of how frequently you exchange the water or how much of it you exchange, just do your water exchanges consistently. And of course, as previously discussed, don't go crazy siphoning out every bit of detritus and stuff like that during the process. Remember that in an aquarium which encourages the growth of bacteria, fungi, and copepods, all that kind of stuff, the organic material contained in detritus becomes part of the food web. We talked about that in the last episode here. And everybody up the food chain can benefit from this stuff or they can have problems if you start removing parts of it. So by going, you know, full ham and siphoning out every less speck of detritus from your tank, you're essentially breaking this chain and denying organisms at multiple levels the chance to benefit from it. Yeah, overzealously siphoning this material from your tank effectively destroys an established community of microorganisms, which will serve to maintain high water quality in the closed environment of an aquarium. This is a super, super important point to remember. I've said it to the point where you want to beat me over the head with a a catapa leaf or whatever. I hope a catapa leaf because it would sure hurt to have a sterculiopod whacked on my head. Anyway, this is really important to remember. And now in an ironic twist, I personally believe that it's far more common for those, you know, anomalous ammonia spikes and all that kind of stuff that people lament and report periodically to have their origin in overzealous cleaning of aquariums and filter media, as opposed to the accumulation of the detritus or whatever the, it, itself. So yeah, taking out all of the fish shit is actually removing a complex microbiome that's keeping your tank healthy. I mean, even something as seemingly mundane as the way we maintain our botanical method aquariums requires us to make some mental shifts to appreciate our methodology more thoroughly, doesn't it? It does. And it's important to think about that. Another question we get, 
doesn't all the botanical material get stirred up during those water exchanges? Well, sure, some of it does. It's almost inevitable that some stuff gets shifted around. Leaves and seed pods are pretty lightweight materials and they decompose. And they're even more lightweight and more mobile, if you will. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Don't get stressed if you stir some stuff up. Don't get stressed if stuff moves around. Your tank will be fine. Likely the fishes really couldn't care less. I, I personally run fairly powerful water circulation in most of my aquariums, um, at least ones where fishes are, are able to tolerate it. Uh, it's just, I guess it's a holdover from reef keeping. It's just something I've always done. But think about natural leaf litter beds and the processes which influence their composition, their structure, and their resilience. Many leaf litter beds are long-term static structures in their natural habitats. We talked about that a lot, almost like reefs in the ocean, actually. Yet, there's a fair amount of material being shifted around constantly by current rain and flooding and just the activities of the fishes themselves. So stuff does get distributed and redistributed. The organisms which reside in these systems deal with these dynamics effectively. They have for eons. The benthic microfauna, which our fishes tend to feed on, are also affected by this phenomenon. As I just mentioned, the fishes tend to follow the food, making this case of the fishes learning, I guess learning is the word, to adapt to a changing environment. And perhaps, maybe, the idea of fishes sort of having to constantly adjust to changing physical environments, and don't notice I didn't say chemical environments, physical environments, the structure in other words, maybe this could be some sort of trigger hidden, you know, deep in their genetic code that perhaps stimulates overall health or immunity or spawning. Maybe. Something in their programming that says, hey, you're home, the seasons change because there's an influx of new water, leaves are rolling around, perhaps not as specific, but maybe something like that, which can trigger specific adaptive behaviors. I find this possibility fascinating because we can learn more about our fish's behaviors and create really interesting habitats for them simply by adding botanicals to our aquariums and allowing them to do their own thing, you know, to break apart as they decompose, to move around as we, you know, siphon out water or conduct maintenance activities or just to be added to the aquarium from time to time. Which leads us to the next most commonly asked question about maintaining botanical method aquariums. Do you leave all the botanical material in the tank to decompose? Well, hell yes, for reasons I just said before. Take care of your aquarium, your miniature closed ecosystem, by taking care of the enormous microcosm which supports its form and its function. And that means not removing all this material as it decomposes. I know, I've, again, I say this so many times, it's ridiculous, but it's really a fundamental part of the botanical method of aquarium keeping. Of course, I realize that the aquarium is a microcosm of nature and not an open system. However, in principle, many of the factors which control, you know, natural ecosystems control our aquariums as well. Some are a bit different in their, I don't know, I guess you'd call it the execution or whatever. But the influence that these, you know, that these things have on our aquariums is similar to what happens in nature. I don't do a lot of siphoning of decomposing botanicals from my substrates, which are typically a mishmash of leaves, twigs, little roots, and bits and pieces of botanicals. And sure, you can stir this layer up and simply swish with a fine mess net and, you know, grab some of the stuff that you find offensive. I just wouldn't get too carried away with it. Other than from an aesthetic standpoint, I have a pretty hard time justifying the removal of decomposing materials from the aquarium to any great extent. Now, notice I'm ta talking about fish poop or excess fish food. Those are indicative of other problems. If you have so much fish waste that's waste that's accumulating. There's something up with that with a lack of circulation, your filtration system, or you know, 
whatever. And if there's uneaten food accumulated on the bottom, obviously you're feeding too much food. And so, but with, with, you know, with regards to botanicals and botanical materials, what goes down doesn't always have to come up. So again, this is not an excuse to develop or accept lax maintenance practices. It's simply a call to awareness that there's probably nothing wrong with your system when you see some of this stuff. It's quite contrary to the way we've been acculturated to evaluate the aesthetics of a typical aquarium, and you have to get used to a certain amount of material decomposing in your tank. It's perfectly natural, and it's part of the function of the aquarium, and in a more superficial sense, part of the aesthetic, really. Accepting the fact that you'll see decomposing materials, fungal growth, all that stuff in your aquarium is something that many aquarists have a very difficult time with. I get it. Again, it's one of those things that many of us are simply not accustomed to in our aquarium keeping work. And I tell you, just observe underwater videos and photos of environments like the Amazonian region and Southeast Asia and South, you know, in Africa, places like that. You'll see that your tank is much closer of an aesthetic approximation of nature than almost any other system you've ever worked with before. And to your comfort, you'll find that all these systems are as chemically clean as any other if you follow regular maintenance and common sense. Ultimately, your decision to create a botanical method aquarium is as much a philosophical one as it is a practical one. To accept nature rather than to fight it is a bit odds with the mindset many of us have with regards to aquarium keeping. Are you beginning, as you know, as you begin to understand and evaluate your own aquarium, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll gain a greater appreciation for the, you know, the wonders of nature. It won't be such an abstract thing, the wonders of nature. You'll get it. And the processes that have occurred for eons in nature. And of course, you're going to really appreciate the whole picture of seeing your aquarium function and appear much like a natural aquatic ecosystem does. It's something that's truly transformative in our hobby, something which only those who dare to be a little bit different can experience. I hope you're one of them. Stay bold, stay creative, stay excited, stay diligent, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.